0: everyone. It's good to be with you this morning. It's good to just be in community once again. We're doing this digitally as we have for a while. Uh, We will be at least doing it digitally for the month of June because we meet inside of a school building. We do know that school buildings aren't at least letting any other churches in until um, the month of June. We'll find things out as we go along, but it's good to be with you either way this morning. And You know, I think every week we get together, we talk about how interesting our times are probably time and time again. Interesting is really a a word that we use to really talk about challenging, difficult times. And I've been contemplating this. I shared it in our weekly debrief on Thursday night that we had this past week, and I want to share with you this morning is how important for me perspective is because sometimes I lose perspective, and I think that what I am going through is the most difficult thing ever imagined, and therefore, I have every reason uh, to not press forward. But I, I've been thinking about this, I want to share with us this morning to give us some context as we get into the scriptures this morning. Um, I want you to think about the year 1917, which is when our country entered World War One. Those people living during that time, then in 1918, had to also experience and endure the brutality of the flu pandemic. Isn't that crazy? 1917, we entered the war. Uh, 1918, the flu pandemic, um, she took millions of lives throughout the world. And in 1919 was something known as the red summer. If you aren't familiar with that, I encourage you to look it up, but it was basically where black communities were terrorized um, and destroyed. And it was a number of riots that happened throughout about 36 cities that summer of 1919. And so there's moments when I feel like what we are walking through is unique and challenging for us alone. And then when I look at that little small glimpse of history, I realize that uh, we are facing this difficult moment, but it's not the first. And if God has been faithful to work in the lives of people and the generations before us, God is faithful to work in our lives even today. Uh, I've been thinking about this and thinking that this might not be the greatest moment, the most difficult moment, but for us, it is the closest moment. It's nearer to us. We can look at history. We can evaluate it. We can look at something that's happening to someone from afar, and we can contemplate it. But when these things get close to home, it might feel like it is the worst ever because it is closest to us. Its proximity is nearby. We feel it. It hurts. It grieves us. That's not just with this moment But those are things in reality There's pains in this world That when we can look in the past Or we'll get somewhere far away We can think about it But once it gets closer We we feel it to the core of our being And that's where we are We are in a place where we're feeling The thing with COVID-19 The strife of racism in our world The strife within our communities And within the church We're feeling it because it is so near to us I want to encourage you to be encouraged that the Lord is even still working in the midst of all that's happening. I don't know about you, but I know that I've heard so many other voices coming around and so many conversations splintering into other side conversations, and we're going to be here potentially for a while as we try to grapple with our past. Uh, The reality is that we can't find out what's wrong with us until we get to the root of what's happened to us, and I mean that as, as a country, as a people, all of us from different backgrounds living in our world and our country together in our communities together, and many times we are trying to figure out how to move forward and how to hear without fully understanding all this happened in the past, you know, individually we understand that when it comes to Christians. And understanding the work that Jesus does in our individual lives. And maybe if you're going to therapy You understand the importance of reflecting on Where you've been and what's happened So that you can be healed But collectively as a community I think sometimes we lose sight of the significance of that And sometimes we have a lack of idea Of what we have all been through and we want to find healing. I would actually say this. We believe that if we reflect on our individual journey and know that no matter how brutal or how difficult it is to face, that Jesus has the ability to not only address it and be present, but to bring healing. Then let us have that same courage and boldness and faith. That if we look at our history, what happened to us together in agreement and as brutality and in this beauty, that Jesus has the ability to bring healing. But we have to know what's happening. So these conversations get harder. I want to encourage you, because I know sometimes I don't want to walk forward, press forward. The Lord is doing some powerful work through all of the pain. I've learned many times in my life that sometimes the Lord reveals pain because the Lord wants to address it. And many times we just want to patch it up and keep moving forward. And as hard as it is, may the Lord address it. I want to encourage you in your personal walks that you continue to ask yourself, Lord, what is the pain that we're dealing with? And asking the question, why? It's a question I always ask. And I want to give you one snapshot today as I go into the scripture. And the snapshot is of this place called the Citadel. It is known as the West Point of the South. And if you were to Google the history of the Citadel, you would see that in 1822, buildings were built for the Citadel. And I'm going to read quote uh, South Carolina Legislature Act. put to establish a competent force to act as municipal guard for the protection of the city of Charleston and its vicinity. So in 1822, the South Carolina Legislature put this in place, that there would be a building that could protect the city and also those that are around it. And what we often don't know is why. Why did that happen? Why did that beginning of that building, which then eventually became the citadel, which then became known as the West Point of the South, a military institution, why was that building built in 1822 to protect the city and protect the vicinities? From what? I encourage you to Google a name, Denmark Vesey, and you will see that in 1822 he was captured for leading and planning a slave revolt. And, And the result to that danger of slave revolting, this legislative act was put in place to protect the city from slave revolting that building would eventually become the citadel and if we don't know what has happened to us all of us in our communities if we don't understand it healing will be far out of our grasp as hard as it is as difficult as it is to see it to hear it to learn it is necessary for healing So for those of us learning and asking questions and having conversations, and you're tired, I get tired, I encourage you to keep doing so, to keep learning. When the issue is about Confederate flags and all these other things, keep asking the questions why, so we can get to the root, so we can get to the root of also the healing. I know personally in my own life, in this season I've been, Contemplating over and over again, Lord, what are you doing in our time? Why is this not just hard in the world? Why is this even hard in the church? Do you care about this? Because some people will tell me in their interpretation of scriptures that these are things that, that you don't care about. There are many pulpits that are speaking this morning, isolated from what's shaking our world, and saying, We're just going to preach this, and as if the whole of the gospel doesn't cover all of the brokenness of our world. So this week I've been meditating on Luke chapter 4 which is where I will be this morning and meditating on these few words that Jesus said the spirit of the Lord is on me and has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor and I just been meditating on that reminding myself that these are Jesus's words and even though I have many Christians that will say the world is fine look at our economy look at our well-being and our wealth and I'll, I'll say to myself is that Jesus measuring stick I don't know And all the things around me saying different voices, I just need to meditate on the life and the words of Jesus. This is what encourages me. This is when I feel like I'm losing my way and losing hope, meditating on the life of Jesus. I want to do that with us this morning. I'm going to read from Luke chapter 4, verses 16 to 21. Luke chapter 4, verses 16 to 21. If you have your Bibles, if you could turn with me. Um, But if not, I will also be reading it for us. It says, He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. He stood up to read and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners. And recovery of sight for the blind To set the oppressed free To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor You know, I always say it, but it's it's a saying That is, you don't get a second chance to make a first impression The first impression says a lot about you and your priorities And and Jesus' first impression of declaring his arrival as the Messiah Was to read from and quote the prophet Isaiah and declaring his ministry, he, he doesn't say, I am here to make everybody's life easy. I am here to make the lawns perfectly met, uh, manicured so that you can walk down the street with ease and path. He doesn't say all those things that kind of fall into our mind and in our framework of what faith is. When Jesus makes this declaration of his ministry, Jesus says this, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recover sight to the blind and set the oppressed free. When I look through that list, the oppressed, the blind, the prisoner, the poor, I wonder if anyone else could say that covers me. There's any one of us that can say I'm outside of that description of people that Jesus said he has come for. And many times in his ministry, he would say, I have come not for those who are healthy, but for those who are sick. I don't know about you, but I am of the sick. I am of the blind who has needed Jesus in my life. And that's who Jesus has come for. And it's a reminder to me in these times is all that's being said all around us, that we would hear the call of Jesus in his own life, that the spirit of the Lord is on me. When I was baptized, John the Baptist said this. I didn't know who he was. I would only recognize him when the spirit came and rested upon me. And so Jesus says the spirit is upon me and has anointed me. To do what, Jesus? To preach good news to the poor, to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, and to set the oppressed free. And as I've been meditating on these words and Jesus' calling and Jesus' life and Jesus' ministry, I've been meditating on this and realizing that for most of my life I've had this tension of, does Jesus care about the poor? Does Jesus care about the prison? Does Jesus care about the blind? And, and George, it is right here in his word. I want to encourage us, church family, as hard as these times may be, that you would hear the ministry of the Messiah. The Spirit is upon me. The Spirit is upon me the same spirit that was upon Jesus when he was submerged under water and the same spirit that was upon Jesus when he was submerged under the grave is the same spirit that raised him up from the grave is the same spirit that lives inside of us continuing this great and mighty work that Jesus has begun to preach good news to the poor to set those who are in prison free to give sights to the blind, to be light and darkness, to bound up the brokenhearted, to care for those who mourn and grieve. That same work that the Spirit of the Lord gave Jesus to do is also now continuing in us who have received the great gift of the Holy Spirit. There's there's more to this verse, these verses in chapter 61 of the book of Isaiah. Jesus quotes just a few verses here when he reads these words. He stands up and he reads them in a synagogue and he actually says these words, the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Right now, today, it is fulfilled because I'm the Messiah. I have arrived and I've come to do this work to proclaim the news. But if you go back to Isaiah, which I'm going to do, Isaiah 61. And it says after he's, after the, the prophecy speaks about Jesus proclaiming this good news about comforting those who mourn, it, it says in verse 2, he would also proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, Isaiah 61 verse 2, and the day of vengeance our God. He would comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. I'll take that. The joy of oil. Instead of mourning in a garment of praise, instead of a spirit of despair. I hope as you hear these verses, you hear God's heart, you hear God's work, not just for the world, but also for you, also for us, for our community, our city and our nation. To comfort those who mourn to provide for those who grieve and dine, to bestow on them a crown of beauty and ashes and, and an oil of joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Thank the Lord for actually leading us in praise and worship this morning. It's amazing how praise can combat against despair. But I want to focus on this one word in these following verses in Isaiah 61, the second half of verse three and then verse four. There's this word, they. And when we use that word in our time, we we usually use it in a dismissive and distant way. We point and say they or those people over there, usually in a way that sounds disrespectful or in disregard for them. But in this place, when Isaiah quotes they, it's a place of honor. It's an acknowledgement of beauty. and It's an acknowledgement of importance and value and dignity because this they are those who were once oppressed, who were once poor, who were once mourning and once in despair, who were once brokenhearted. This they is all of them. And I want us to take a moment to hear when the Messiah would encounter them, what they would end up doing. In verse 3, it says this, in Isaiah 61, verse 3, they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord, for the display of his splendor they will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated they will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations they they will be called they will be planted they will be on display for the splendor of god now, I don't know how God is working in your life personally today and right now in this season but when I see how Jesus not only comes to proclaim that good news but then he takes the brokenhearted and he uses them to heal I know that you, that we we are planted here where we are for a time such as this I know that we're here We're to be called oaks of righteousness with deep roots who can withstand the strong winds in a raging storm. I know that the work that Jesus has done in us has called us to be oaks of righteousness, has planted us where God has determined we should be so that we could display the splendor of God. I would even say in hard places, because they, they who were once broken hearted, will also be used to do the work to rebuild, to restore, and to renew. It says they will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. I, I love that God doesn't say will go get someone qualified and super, uber, well educated and have everything in line and have their lives perfect and then I'm gonna use them to do restoring work. Jesus says I'm gonna proclaim the good news to the poor. And Isaiah, the prophet says, in this work that he will do to the poor, to the oppressed, to the brokenhearted, to those who mourn, they will be the ones that will rebuild, restore, and renew. I wonder if we sat and meditated in this. If for too long, churches have made the mistake of bringing in consultants that have all the degrees. when we should have went to people who Jesus' life has transformed and rebuilt and brought them into our churches to advise us on how to rebuild. I wonder if there are people who should be at our tables advising us on how to reach and engage the community who Jesus has restored and they are now given the gift to know how to restore. I wonder if we've overlooked the whole group of people that we've called them they over there. And I realized that they, they are the redeemed and dignified of the Lord. I, I want to encourage you this morning. I don't know if you feel this way, but if you felt silenced and oppressed, if you felt poor or neglected, if you felt unworthy, then that's good news for you today. The Messiah was anointed by the Holy Spirit to come to those who were sick and broken hearted and grieving, and mourning, and poor, and blind, and imprisoned, so that through Jesus we could be free. Through Jesus we could walk in love. Through Jesus we could walk in power, and it wouldn't just end there. Then Jesus would give us that deliverance that then would say, now you have been rebuilt, go rebuild. You have been restored Go restore. You who have been renewed, go renew. And you can do the work because I have done the work inside of you. Here is my encouragement to us this morning, church family. This is some difficult times, but you know you've been through some hard times personally. You know the Lord Jesus has transformed your life from the inside out and and you're alive and you're seeing all this happening in the world saying, Lord Jesus, what are you up to? And the Lord is saying, I have called you to rebuild. I have rebuilt you to rebuild. I have restored you to restore. I've renewed you to renew. You are the they. We are the they that will be used by God to rebuild, to restore, to renew. They do the work because they are rebuilt, restored, and renewed. I am so encouraged as I meditate on Jesus' words and his ministry. As I meditate on the moments that when I get tired and I realize, you know, Lord, you know why you allowed me to walk through hard times and and you restored my soul and you rebuilt me. I, I thought it was for comfort. I thought it it was for an escape. I I thought it was toward an easier path. But as I read your word, as I look for Jesus, I'm realizing that you building work in me so that you can do for me. I want to encourage you, church family that all that we're seeing shaking around us, that the Lord has not only not abandoned us and is with us, but the Lord has also equipped us. I love that the Spirit of the Lord rested on Jesus when he was baptized. and Jesus then stands up saying, the Spirit of the Lord is on me to do this work. And then when Jesus was buried in the grave, it says the Spirit brought him from, from the grave and he's resurrected for us, for our sins, for our righteousness. And it says before he ascended, he said to his disciples, before you do any work, wait for the Spirit. Wait for the Spirit to come upon you and anoint you for the work you have to do. I wonder, church family, how often we put our strength and our striving and our own ability because in this time we forget that Jesus is working in us for a time such as this. If the Lord has rebuilt, restored, or renewed you, it is because the Lord wants to work through you to rebuild, to restore, and renew. If you're with us this morning and you don't have this personal relationship with Jesus and haven't experienced this new life we have in Christ that mends the, the broken hearted, that sets the oppressed free, that those who are blind can finally see, that those in darkness can have light, If you haven't experienced this transformational work. I invite, but the invitation really is from Jesus. I invite you to trust in Jesus to do this restoring work that if you lay down your life, Jesus will give you his new life. And it's a beautiful and wonderful work. I want to end in prayer this morning. But what I want to invite us to do is, I want to invite you to just take a posture of receiving prayer. I want to pray a blessing over you. If you can posture your hands maybe just like this. If you're at a place where you know you are mourning and you are grieving and you need the comfort that Jesus said he has come to give, you might need to place your hands up like this. You might need to get on your knees in a posture and place your hands up or have your hands down, whatever it might be. And sometimes being in a room with one or two other people might be more uncomfortable. But I want to encourage you and invite you to allow the Lord Jesus to minister to you this morning. That posture, let me pray for us, Lord Jesus. After reading the words that you spoke about the ministry that you came to do, we now ask by the power of your Holy Spirit, every mind and heart that is grieving, that is in despair, every mind and heart, Lord, that is broken, that is feeling a weight of oppression every mind that has darkness all around it and can't see the way forward, Lord, we proclaim your freedom and the good news of your work and sacrifice for us. We pray amending over broken hearts and Lord, we declare comfort for those who mourn and light for those of us who are prisoners to darkness. Lord, we ask that you would accomplish that in our lives right now, this morning. We ask that you would bestow on us a crown of beauty instead of ashes that you have bestow on us the oil of joy instead of mourning that you would clothe us with a garment of praise and place of the spirit of despair oh Lord Jesus we acknowledge that you have not abandoned us but you are present and so Lord those of us who have already experienced the transformational rebuilding that you've done inside of us May you give us strength to fulfill what you've already said you would do. That we will become those who rebuild, those who restore, and those who renew. Because that work is so close to us, we've experienced it. We know how to walk it out. Lord, give us the strength by your Holy Spirit in a time such as this. That we may be on display to reveal the splendor of your goodness of your love, and of your power. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 I just want to share a few um, updates with you before...